I'm Micah Boyette, and you're listening to The Slow Way. This is a podcast about the slow goodness of pursuing a sacred love that transforms everything, including you and me. It's a quiet space where all of us frantic strivers, serial doers, and weary achievers are invited in for a moment of reflection, an opportunity for prayer, and a chance to practice going slow in a world that often values only speed, success, and power. Our culture loves to tell us that life is frantic and there's nothing we can do about it. But friends, we know it's real. The true thing is deep down underneath the surface where love lives. And sometimes we just have to stop long enough to notice. So here, let's try. Have a seat, just for a few minutes. Let's go the slow way. The more I explore rest, slowness, and the remarkable idea that we can't hustle enough to overcome our humanity, which is to say our mortality, the more I feel drawn to a reality underneath these invitations towards slowness, our finitude. I'm talking about our limits, our inability to live a multitude of lives in this one. We are contained here to the careers we've chosen or that have chosen us, to the people we've loved, and the small circles of relationship we can truly invest in. And as much as we might wish otherwise, to the place where we live. Every stretch outside of those finite realities will require an exchange. If I live in New Jersey and spend the weekend, as I did last week, in Texas with my mom and brothers, nieces and nephews, I'm literally exchanging my usual time with my kids and husband, who stayed behind, for time with my Texas family. Now, that trade feels like the right choice, but it doesn't mean it wasn't a trade. Likewise, in my choice to spend my working hours writing and podcasting and building a career around words, I have also had to reject other possibilities of work. I never got my degree in teaching. I don't own an adorable plant shop. I haven't completed seminary as much as I might like to. Choosing one path automatically creates more limits. In his book, 4,000 Weeks, Oliver Berkman calls this an icy blast of reality. Our limits are simply part of our humanity. In other words, you definitely won't have time for everything you want to do, he says, or that other people want you to do. And so, at the very least, you can stop beating yourself up for failing, end quote. This past week, I read No Cure for Being Human, Kate Bowler's lovely meditation on the reality of our human frailty and our desperate need for hope. She says it this way, quote, No matter how carefully we schedule our days, master our emotions, and try to wring our best life now from our better selves, we cannot solve the problem of finitude. We will always want more, We need more. She continues a few paragraphs down. 
quote, all of us struggle against the constraints placed on our bodies, our commitments, our ambitions, and our resources, even as we're saddled with inflated expectations of invincibility. This is the strange cruelty of suffering in America, its insistence that everything is still possible, end quote. This past weekend, when I was on that trip to Texas, my brothers, sisters-in-law, nieces, and nephews all gave our Friday and Saturday to clearing out the garage that had been my dad's haven. He had always kept his massive collection of tools haphazardly tossed every direction, though he always knew where to find everything. We worked and worked to clear out the unnecessary, to divide and organize the tools, and to help my mom make that space her own. In the process, we pulled out two bins full of my grandmother's amazing dresses from the late 50s and early 60s, gorgeous pieces that were cut so small, none of her descendants could fit ourselves into those tiny waists. No matter how gorgeous a thing might be, there are moments when we have to acknowledge that it's time to let them go. We dropped those pieces off at a local vintage shop. Here's the thing. Everything is not possible. And that's why grief exists. It exists in the small ways. My grandmother will never live on this earth again. Her 40-year-old body will never dress in that gold Jackie O dress and jacket that made this girl swoon. And my body, with its broad shoulders and square waist, is never going to fit in that swoon-worthy dress either. My grandmother is gone, and I am not my grandmother. In the same way, that garage with its chaotic collection of tools, the space that brought my dad so much joy, couldn't continue to exist as it was. His tools are ours now, and it was right to bring order to his chaos, to divide his tools among his grandchildren, and take his table saw and woodworking supplies to new homes. My mom will be happier to use that space, and my dad's tools will have a new life. And as each of his progeny builds their own toolboxes, fixes the broken things in their spaces, we'll think of him and the infinite patience he had for digging through his garage for the exact right screw for the situation. We grieve because what we lost cannot be undone, and we have to move forward in the world marking the lives that were here, and moving toward hope. As Bowler says, someday we won't need to hope. Someday we don't need courage. Time itself will be wrapped up with a bow, and God will draw us all into the eternal moment where there will be no suffering, no disease, no email, end quote. In the meantime, she says, we are stuck with our beautiful terrible finitude. A slow practice. How do we practice hope? How do we lean into what we have lost while clinging to the goodness that awaits? How do we grieve the dangers of the culture we live in and 
still find courage to push justice forward in the world. Today, I want to suggest something a little different for our spiritual practice. Today, we're making a holy list, a list that might help us remember, a list that may remind us of what is ahead. Today, I want to invite you to write a poem as an act of prayer. I know, who signed up to write poems around here? But listen, we're going to make a list poem. And a list poem is a really simple poem to make. In it, we will list the characteristics and memories we have attached to a specific person. This may be an act of memory that is sweet or something in the present that is painful, but I want us to practice honoring the details that make a life because those details are making our lives as well. There's a practice of hope in celebrating a life that we loved, that we carry with us. And that act of remembering also reminds us of our own finitude. I'm going to read a poem. I know the second week in a row that I've read a poem. This one is by Robert A. Fink, a living poet in Abilene, Texas. He's a former professor of mine, and I love his poems deeply. This one is taken from his book, Tracking the Morning. Miss Viola by Robert A. Fink. Patchwork quilts on goose feather beds. Thick blackburn syrup on gladiola bread. Winter morning sausage. Summer iced tea. Sweating chocolate pies and black-eyed peas. Faded gingham dresses or gray wool shawl. The cane-bottomed rocker. Soft gospel songs. And mild garret snuff. Last false teeth. Long wrinkled fingers. Small calloused feet. Thanksgiving chickens. Christmas fudge. Cool well water in an overflowing cup. If you'd like to hear this read again, feel free to pause and listen again or find the poem in the transcript of this episode in your show notes. Remember that while our culture teaches us to read quickly and jump from big idea to big idea, poetry invites us to receive every word, every phrase as valuable. See if you can let yourself enter into the world of Miss Viola. Now it's your turn. Take out your pen and paper or fire up that computer. You may not be a poet. I mean, who is? But everyone can make a list and everyone can reach their minds back to someone they loved and the world that surrounded that person. Take some time to make that list, describing the particular things or smells or foods surrounding that person you love. Pause this episode and get to it. Once you've made your list, which is a spiritual act in and of itself, I invite you to one more practice of prayer. Can you take that list and offer it as a thank you for whoever your Miss Viola is? 
You can speak your list aloud as a thank you to the presence of God or hold up each phrase on your list in your heart as an act of prayer. We'll take a moment to respond. Let's conclude with this passage from No Cure for Being Human, which I've taken and formatted into a prayer. Lord, we are trapped between a past we can't return to and a future that is uncertain. And it takes guts to live here in the hard space between anticipation and realization. Give us the guts to honor the past, hope for the future, and be grateful in this present moment. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Slow Way. Choosing a moment of quiet and allowing yourself to be slow here with me is no small thing. When we move, even for a few minutes, at a pace that refuses to conform with the culture around us, we make space for God, for wisdom, for a vision of ourselves and others that can only be seen when we take the time to pay attention. What I'm trying to say is, we make space for love. So well done, friends. I'm proud of us. I want to thank Falsch Leader for managing my social media. Also, Jason Boyette for designing our slow way graphic. And the talented Angelina Marie for editing. If you're interested in more words on the slow way, you can sign up for my newsletter at micaboyette.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at micaboyette and find my book found wherever books are sold. We're two weeks in to the Found Book Club over Zoom every Tuesday night. If you're interested in jumping in for week three, DM me on Instagram and we'll add you to the fun. 
You can review The Slow Way on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find us. But you know, if you're cleaning out the garage, just keep doing that. Until next time, friends, let's go The Slow Way. Bye.